0: Nine two five three seven seven star. Do you have a plan for your life? Do you know where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day?
1: Hello, Power Partners. Welcome to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, our informational playground brought to the airways under the auspices of Be the Star, You Are Charity. I am your host, Cynthia Bryan, and I'm so excited for today's show because we are going to be talking about animals. As many of you know, I have been adopting, abandoned, abused, and just animals that need a home since I was a child and I have a big barnyard of animals. So we are going to focus on all the good things that we need to know about animals uh, today, and uh, we have a special guest coming up in segment two her name is danielle mckinnon and she is the author of animal lessons discovering your spiritual connection with animals and what she is going to be talking about is how animals are acting as our therapists and trainers and mentors and gurus if we just pay attention so a very exciting show then we're going to end segment three What we'll talk about is exercise. When is the best time to exercise? Some people say, oh, we have to do it in the morning. Other people say we have to do it in the evening. We'll look at the research and how when you exercise and how you exercise can affect your health, your sleep patterns, and, of course, your productivity. We are coming to you live on the Voice American Network, and we are happy that you joined us so that you can live your dreams and you can find out more about all animal communications when our guest comes on. The miracle moment for today is brought to us by Be the Star You Are charity. You can visit Be the Star You Are at org, and we'd like you to check out our a community um, that is a creative community where we have all our book reviews, our newsletters, our press pa- passes and all of those posts and that's at btsya.com This is from Alan Cohen. Real humility is not about denying the gifts you are offered. It's about accepting them. And I like that a lot because we are writing our next book in the Be the Star You Are series. And of course, every chapter starts with the gift of, because we do believe that you are a gift. And we want you to know that you have the ability and the responsibility to use the gifts that you have been given. Well, all, all of us or most of us are crazy about our animals. I think that Every day we probably look at our animals, uh, you know, as part of our family. And it's becoming, it's obviously a big business um, doing anything with animals. And it's uh, it's something that gives us great joy and empowerment and makes us feel more whole. But what do you do when you have to go away? And you're going to go away for a while and you need to get a pet sitter. I think that it's really hard and very um, difficult sometimes to leave our, our uh, pets. And we want that it to be a home away from home for pets. And But how can we find that? How can we find the best places? So what we thought is that we are going to talk about that today and see if we can um, figure out what would be the best the best things that we can do when we are going to do pet saving? Well, you know, it's summertime right now. And so it's a time when people are planning vacations for themselves and for their pets. You know, cats and dogs in particular have a variety of home away from home options. However, uh, there's a lot of options that are not available for rabbits or guinea pigs or birds or any of that. So, what can you do? Well, we're going to talk about uh, some kennels and um, and what veterinarians say on what to expect before you board your very, very favorite uh, pet. Now, most kennels are ramping up for the high season, and that extends from Memorial Weekend through Labor Day. Then there's usually a couple of calm months, you know, in September, October, and then it starts all over again in Thanksgiving. You know, it, it takes a, uh, a big place to ha- to house large, rambunctious, active Dogs, for example, but there are kennels out there where a dog guest can swim, they can play, they can hike in a property's back acreage that leaves them well exercised, it leaves them dirty, <laughs> and it leaves them tired. There's also a daily dog training sessions that some kennels will offer, and uh, those uh, and also. Uh, invaluable medical knowledge about pets who are boarded there so it's important that wherever you are going to leave your pet that you can get the most out of it now this is something before you board a pet whatever it may be you want to have a checklist and these are a couple of the things that you can check is the kennel clean Does anyone live on site? And that's an important thing because what if something happens during the night or what if the the pet is, you know, is anxious or frightened or gets hurt or has a seizure? You know, are there pet emergencies handled and how are they handled? Uh, What is your pet's temperament? The best borders are well-socialized animals. You might want to start with a very short visit with your dog or cat when they're younger so that they get used to the place. I mean, I know people that have tried to board an animal uh, when they're older for the first time, you know, and just dropping them off, and the poor the poor dog uh, is just shaking the whole time because they're so afraid. Something that you want to do is provide a comfort toy. You want to bring some regular food and all medications. And you also want to ask how your animal will be fed and when they will be fed. And if there are special instructions that you want to give, you need to provide those. You also need to provide the following information, and it's most important that you do it in writing. I always suggest, if most of us have computers and printers, is to print out this checklist so, that you can just print it out quickly whenever you're going anywhere with your pet. And this is what uh, some of the information you want it your pet's name, the pet's breed, the age, general health, any medications, any diet, or any restrictions. You also want to designate a local caregiver. And it's really great if you can designate more than one and include the names and phone numbers. And, you know, also, I always think that it's a good idea to provide a family member or a friend who, in case of emergency or in the case that your pet is not doing well at the boarding place, that uh, a family member or friend would be willing to pick up your pet and take care of it. Now, medical authorization and financial responsibility for your pet. First of all, you need to list a primary veterinarian's office, their address, their phone number, their email, if you have it. You should also have the emergency vet hospital information if it's different from your primary vet's office. You also want to authorize a level of pet medical care. Now, A lot of people think, oh, you know, what's going to happen? That's not necessary. But just like people, anything and everything can happen. For example, do you authorize everything, including an open chest CPR? Do you authorize everything except an open chest CPR? Do you authorize only moderate care, which would include life-saving and urgent care? Do you want life-saving treatment only? Or do you want no treatment? And in worst-case scenarios, if your pet is really suffering, do you authorize euthanasia? Now, also, financial pet care limits. You can set a limit and say, you know, the sky's the limit. Whatever it takes to save my pet, do it. You can put a limit up to 2000 up to 1000 up to 500 But, you know, keep in mind that likely basic care and minimal diagnostics are going to cost you at least five hundred dollars. I know one time, just a quick story. We went on um, vacation, and we had um, we had left our uh, our dogs and our cats in the care of a friend, and everything worked out fine. But it was winter, and when we came back from vacation, it was really cold out. Our cat and her kitten climbed up into the motor of our car, because our car was warm. And after the cats, we didn't know that that had happened. And a couple hours after we returned, my husband decided to go to the store and he went to turn on the motor. And sadly, the cats were in there. Well, the kitten was all right, the mother was badly injured. And of course, our children were so upset, as we all were, and we rushed the cat to the hospital. And we did everything we could to save her. And we spent a few thousand dollars. And in the end, she just could not recover from her injuries. So after spending several thousand dollars, we still had to bury her. And so it taught us a lesson of it's really important to have a a, a top limit that you're willing to spend because... If your your animal dies despite your best efforts and you really don't have that budget, you know, you have to be clear about that. And that could be kind of a sad, it's a sad thing, but we have to be very clear. So getting back to some other things um, about facilities, you want to find out if a facility has a, you know, takes a certain breed of animals or if the the, uh, people who are running it have traveled extensively uh, and looked at other pet facilities before they built their pet facility? Do they have uh, dogs and cats? Do they have inside and outside areas? Do they have self-regulated potty breaks, you know, to make it less stressful on the pet? Do they have um a swamp heater which regulates the building temperatures that allows doors to be open. You know, some of these facilities have radiant heating on the floors, outside runs that are shade covered and misted when the temperatures climb, and many have additional inside play areas in case the weather is inclement. Now, uh, many of the really good establishments keep their play groups small, maybe Let's say they're taking dogs, and they'll take just two to five dogs. Um, they'll put their staff through a very um, intensive canine training and a body language course so that any trouble can be headed off before it starts. Some also will play specialized music to calm the dogs down. And, of course, cats, too, have a can have a really large lodging space. You can design... Um, seven foot high ceilings to make changing litter boxes just a stand up job. They could have uh, many different runs. There's one lodge that's in our area that has 87 separate runs for dogs and 17 for cats. And the place intentionally books under capacity because the caretaker who lives on the premises. They also offer a pet grooming site, and which is you know immediately adjacent. And it makes it just much more pleasant for the animals. So the bottom line is we caution dog owners to be thorough in their research before employing anyone as a pet checker or a pet sitter. And before you board any of your pets anywhere, you really want to check everything because the pet industry has changed dramatically over the last 25 years. Today's kennels offer daycare and nearly individualized service for all of our feathered and four-footed customers because pet parents treat their animals like people and so The hardest part is when a pet passes to the heavens beyond, but we always have something to learn from that as well. So make sure that you are ready for your sit-stay homes away from home for pets. When we come back from break, we're going to be talking about animal lessons, and we're going to discover our spiritual connection with animals with Daniel McKinnon who is a pet guru and a spiritual teacher. We'll be back in a bit. My name is Cynthia Bryan, and you are listening to Star Style. Be the star you are. Be
0: the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. Follow us on Twitter
2: for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment
0: Now, back to the power party.
2: This business of show business is calling out to me.
1: Well, the show business begins, but this time it's going to begin with animals. Welcome back. You're listening to Star Style Be the Star You Are. And we are coming to you live on the Voice America Network, the empowerment channel, where we bring you every week the pioneers on the planet Today we are so thrilled to have Danielle McKinnon with us. She is a highly gifted intuitive and a coach who has appeared on many TV and radio shows around the world. But what she is most known for is her work with animals. She has just written a new book called Animal Lessons, Discovering Your Spiritual Connection to Animals. So we want to welcome Danielle to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Hi, Danielle. Hi, Danielle. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, thank you so much for coming on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. I don't know if you were listening to the beginning of the show or not, but I am a huge, huge, huge animal advocate, and I have been adopting and giving homes to abandoned or abused animals since I was a little child. So so I have a barnyard filled with animals who are my good buddies and great teachers. So when I came across your book, I just thought this is really, really perfect because I do feel I am learning from my animals literally on a daily basis. And I feel their gratitude in being rescued. <laughs> and I, I am grateful to them for sharing insights uh, with me. So I want to start first of all and have you describe to our audience What is an intuitive or a psychic medium for animals? I mean, I think you probably are psychic just in general. But what does it mean? (laughs) What does it mean to be an animal communicator in the psychic world? Okay,
2: and you're right. I am normal psychic or plain psychic as well. And uh, but for animals, it's it's pretty much the same thing as it is as with humans. Meaning I intuitively tap into the animal and the animal gives me information and I share that information. So it's all, it's definitely a psychic intuitive thing just like people can do with um, other people. And I, it's kind of my thing. Like I absolutely love connecting to animals because each and every animal has a different voice and a different take on things. And it's really, really fun.
1: Well, when did you start really connecting with the animals? I know you tell the story in your book, but I would like you to share it uh, with our <laughs> our listeners as well. Because, you know, I think that it's not, uh, there's many, many psychic healers and, and intuitives out there. But I don't know how many are actually working with the animals. And I know that... Um, I, people have always called me an animal whisperer. I don't think that I'm a medium or anything, but my daughter really connects with animals, and there's just something about them that I've always just thought they they understand when you care about them, and they feel your love so they're not afraid. But how did it happen for you? Um, well, I've been I didn't know it, but I was
2: intuitive throughout my whole life. Um, I just it made me feel weird and overly sensitive and I didn't fit in. And then my dog ended up getting sick and a friend suggested and she was deathly sick, like the vet couldn't figure out what was going on. We had a four thousand dollar vet bill after just four days. It was it was horrible. And she was really young. So a friend suggested that I um take her to the pet psychic and there was a pet psychic in my town. So you know, which I is made amazing. A place in. <laughs> I know. I, for me, I, I was in the corporate world, and I was you know, just kind of going down a totally different track. I wasn't happy about it, but that's where I was. So when I heard about a pet psychic, I was, um, I was all over it. <laughs> so I made an appointment. I was there the next day. I brought my husband. I brought our dog. Um, I took her out of the vet so that she could have this appointment. Because at the time, I thought, well, if he's going to talk to her, he needs to see her. It turns out that's not true. You don't need to see someone to connect psychically with them. But um, that pet psychic, and I call him a pet psychic because that's what he called himself, he actually looked at my dog and me and my husband and kind of looked between all of this and then spent time with my dog and then he came back and he said, okay, so she's sick because she ate corn cobs and she ate the corn cobs because she was anxious because you and your husband have been fighting about your mother.
1: And really, really? Isn't yeah. that amazing? Yeah. Now, so did you, when she said that, I mean, when he said that, did it make sense to you? Oh, 100%. <laughs> well, actually, let me say 99%. We'd actually,
2: we were fighting about my mother-in-law. <laughs> but I, I was fine. I was like, mother, mother-in-law, doesn't matter. He, you know, there's no way he would have known that. And so in that moment, I went, oh, oh my, this is what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. I can do what he's doing. What am I doing in the corporate world? I need to do this. And that was kind of my aha moment of realizing m- so much more about myself. It's not that I didn't fit in. It's that I was trying to do things that weren't my nature. And, and why? what was I doing in the corporate world when I needed to be with the animals? So it, it, was, it really opened up all of the doors for me in my
1: life. You know, it's a fascinating, it really is a, a fascinating gift that your dog gave you because without your dog getting sick, you might not have opened this new realm for you and you would have still been in the, cast, in the, um, the corporate world.
2: I feel like if she hadn't gotten sick, she would have done something else. Something else. Somehow, yes. she, she had to be the you. one to bring me to that place of aha, Rowan, whoa, this is what I have to be doing. So, yes, total gift from her. It would've, she would have done it one way or another. I totally trust her. She knew what her job was with me.
1: Now, one of the things, uh, you have a system that you've created in animal lessons. And for those of you who are just joining us, we are talking to Danielle McKinnon, her new book is Animal Lessons, Discovering Your Spiritual Connection with Animals. And Danielle is an intuitive as well as a psychic medium. And she is working with animals. And she actually has a school, the Danielle McKinnon School of Animal Communication, which is really a very cool thing that, uh, you know, gives gives animals a voice. Now, you have a five-step uh, program that... To help other people understand how they can really kind of tap into their own intuition and their own communication with their animals, do you feel that everyone does have this ability that we just kind of you know, haven't opened up that that um, you know that i don't know what even that channel yet so um, in terms of animal communication. Uh, When I teach
2: animal communication, yes, everybody can do it. A lot of teaching animal communication, a lot of learning how to do it, and that's like basically learning how to be an intuitive with an animal is about trusting yourself and just kind of going for it, Um, which is a little different from the five steps in the book, which are teaching you to really hone in on the lesson your animal is teaching you, but you don't have to be psychic to do it. However, most of the people who read my book, it seems they end up wanting to become intuitive with animals <laughs>
1: anyway. When you Danielle, when you say trusting yourself, are you saying do you mean trusting the intuition that comes to you? Is that Oh yes. It's okay. a huge thing. So if you think of it like this,
2: animals communicate with each other intuitively all the time. They have that sense open, working. It's it's it works as well as their sight. It works as well as their smell. That's how they survive. They sense elephants Sense intuitively, the rest of their herd. They sense like they these animals can do so much. We, on the other hand, turn off that sense. So when we're trying as people to um, reopen it, rediscover it, because we're all born with it and then we shut it down it's very hard to trust this other sense because we're taught not to believe in it. And that, and that means that in order to do animal communication or in order to be an intuitive, you really have to just be okay being wrong, going for it. <laughs> like the, you just have to go, all right, I have no idea. It doesn't make any sense. I'm not even sure this is really psychic and just putting it out there, whatever yeah. you feel the animal gave you
1: so I, I find it so fascinating. Now, you just spoke about elephants, and I just had to share something with you quickly. is I, I, one of the things that you talked about in your book is, you know, you talked about dogs and cats and guinea pigs and rabbits and all that thing. But then you said something about, you know, that elephant that you fall in love with across the world that you've never seen, but you've just seen a YouTube video or whatever it is, that that elephant is intuitive with you and you can be intuitive with it. Now that, I, I, I find I can be really intuitive and I feel the animals that are around me, but mm-hmm. how do you do that over a big distance? And my example is, Somebody sent me a video yesterday of, I don't know if you saw this, it was amazing, of um, this baby elephant who fell into a pool. Did you see, did you hear about this? No, I haven't seen that, Mm. no. It was amazing. Okay, so this, there was like, it looked like a mother elephant and a baby elephant were standing by this pool. And it looks like it's probably a zoo or something. And the baby elephant falls in. And it's obvious the baby elephant doesn't, you know, might be drowning the mother elephant runs around and another elephant comes they both jump in the pool and they go and they lift the baby out. Mhm. It That's gave me just cool. it was so cool it gave me chills. So <laughs> when I saw that I was thought I thought to myself I want to send those elephants kudos. I want to say way to go. You know whether you're the mama, the papa or the friend that was awesome, you know.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's really cool.
1: It was so cool. So how would one go about doing that? So, in terms of not in terms
2: of learning the lesson from the animal, but in terms of being psychic with the animal, being intuitive, you simply think the thought. You think of that, that elephant and you say, I love you. You did a great job. You feel the emotion you want to send. And you just literally think it and feel it. And that elephant will receive that message from you. They don't have to work at all to receive our intuitive messages. It's us. It's we, we who have to work to figure out what they're telling us. So they, it doesn't matter if the animal is with you or the animal is on social media or the animal is in a video or on TV. That animal, and it doesn't also matter if the animal's alive or not that animal can receive the messages from you and you don't have to do anything special other than intend for the animal to receive the message. On the flip side, and this is what I talk about in the book, an animal in social media... They basically, all animals are here to help teach us. They're all here to teach us lessons, to help us evolve our souls. So if you see that elephant on social media, on a video, and the elephant is um, struggling and this moves you in some way, you're affected by it in some way, that elephant is actually helping you learn. It's giving you an opportunity to grow through that emotion and that experience you're having as a result of watching that elephant in the video.
1: So uh, that is, that's like the lesson that the animal is teaching me because I was so grateful for, for the, uh, for the elephant's rescuing. And I don't even know if they were related, you know, but in any <laughs> case, it was, it was really a wonderful thing to watch.
2: Yeah. so And so, so that so elephant could be inspiring gratitude in you. The elephant could be Uh, making you feel, oh, I want to do this in my own life. I want to help others in my own life, and now I feel ready to go out and do that because I feel so moved by watching this video. Like, there are so many different ways that animals can help us grow. They really like to help us grow at the deepest levels, like at the soul level, They teach us to love ourselves, to teach us to believe in ourselves. That's where animals, that's kind of like the sweet spot of what animals like to show us.
1: Well, you know, in your appendix to your book, you have common animal lessons. And we're going to get back to those five steps um, in a second here. But uh, you start with uh, you have many different animals in here, including sharks and snakes and, you know, even uh, um, squirrels and starfish. But you start you started off by saying there's a negative belief. Then there's an embodiment, and then there's the lesson that we are to learn. Would you explain how you came about with those three steps, um, and and well, how you attributed it to each animal? Did it? Did you have to? You know, did you have to just like really think about it? To think like, oh, okay, a duck. The negative belief is, I can't show who I really am. I don't want anyone to know what I really think or feel. You know, it's not safe to show my true colors.
2: How? I how did, it, did well, that negative? So I did it intuitively, meaning mm-hmm. I would connect with a doc and I would say, what's the lesson that you're teaching? Basically, I said, what's the lesson you're teaching the general public? Because, okay. uh, or And I actually use mass consciousness as the word. But uh, if you meet a doc, let's say you meet Larry the doc, Larry the doc is going to teach you your own individual message, your own individual lesson. Maybe he's going to teach you to feel safe, supported, and protected in the world, whatever it is. And, but Larry is also teaching all people a lesson as well, Larry the duck, so they they work on two levels, and I came up with that through my years and years and years and years of work with animals and humans and and basically listening to what they 're saying to the humans again and again about themselves and about their help how they 're helping um, that 's also how I learned about the negative belief thing. I always wanted to be an animal communicator who just kind of worked like a normal animal communicator, and I would say, um, "Hey, he do- his foot hurts, or it's you get up too early. He wants to sleep later. That kind of stuff." But mm-hmm. the animals started teaching me about these negative beliefs. How so many of us are working to, lo- um, we're working with beliefs like, "I'm not safe, supported, protected. I'm not good enough. I'm not deserving. I'm not lovable," and in we're here to unlearn those. We're here to learn that we are safe, supported, and protected. We are lovable. are lovable. We are good enough. Yeah. So they're helping us through their interactions with us. Whether they're physical interactions, meaning the the duck does something with you, or whether it's something you see from afar like on TV or social media, so that's how they're that's how they're working with these negative beliefs. They have the ability to tap into, oh, let's see, Cynthia has this negative belief and that one. All right, I'm gonna do X, Y, and Z so that I can help her work her way through those two negative beliefs so she can shift them to positive.
1: You know, it's so interesting because we always joke that here at our house, we must have a sign that only the animals can see that says sucker. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's like every animal finds its way. If something, I mean, anything that needs a home. Um, Last year, I found a, a tiny little pink thing in the bushes, and it was obvious that a coyote or a fox had ripped up a nest. I thought it was a rat, and I didn't know what to do, you know, because uh, oh, that kind of gave me the squirrelies. But it turned out it was a baby squirrel, and I picked, I picked it up and I nursed it. They, not, they usually wouldn't li- live, but I got a little tiny doll bottle, and I fed it, and it grew into a very happy squirrel. I taught it to climb trees. <laughs> I oh, love it. I have to wear this big, heavy uh, bathrobe because its claws got to be so uh, sharp. But it only wanted to climb up and down me, so it would it would like <laughs> sit on my shoulder, then it would climb all the way down to my feet, and then go all the way back up and oh. all that. And then I taught it to climb trees, and then you know I would put it. It would be outside, and then it would be in the tree. And I think the sweetest thing was uh, one day. That, you know, the squirrel, I called him Squiggly Wiggly because I wasn't going to name him, but he got to be so squiggly wiggly that <laughs> he was always wiggling. One day, he climbed his tree and he ran around the fence and he came back and he had a little, uh, I don't know if it was a girl, he had another squirrel with him. And he ran over to me, he ran, ran up to my shoulder and he just chatted, blah, 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 you know, the, with those little squeaks that the squirrels have. And he just talked, talk, 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 talk. Then he ran down my bathroom. He ran over, stood up there on the fence, and he disappeared, and um, I'm not sure if he's the same squirrel that comes back every once in a while and sits and looks at me, but that was the last time he came and ran up and down. It was almost like he was like, thank you, Mom, for raising me and saving me, and and now I found a girlfriend, and I'm going to go find, I'm going to go make a family. But I took so much flack from people for rescuing a squirrel because people don't, you know, people find squirrels to be, de- you know, destructive in their gardens. And they're like, you're a major gardener. How could you rescue? But it was, uh, the squirrel wanted me, that was probably teaching me something. And I don't know. It was a wonderful experience. <laughs> it was a wonderful wow, experience. Wow. It was a great experience. Really cool. A, it was really cool. Call. I
2: could imagine it as you were talking about it. Really
1: cool. Yeah. Yeah, you probably could see Squiggly Wiggly. I hope that he's still, uh, you know, out there enjoying life and, um, and making more little Squiggly Wigglies. <laughs> uh, we are talking to Danielle McKinnon. Her website is um, danielmckinnon.com. That's M-A-C-K-I-N-N-O-N.com. And her book is Animal Lessons. So getting back to what we started with, the five steps that we can um, learn in animal lessons. The first one you have is determine how your animal is helping you. So, Mm -hmm. describe what you mean.
2: Well, animals help us in various ways and because they often help us through challenge, (laughs) <laughs> Although not always, but because they often help us through challenge, it helps to get you started if you, if you figure out, well, in what area is this animal helping me? In what thing is going on that, where I'm supposed to learn from it? So an animal could be, a dog could be barking excessively. A bird could be pulling, pulling her feathers out. Like, how, what is the method Um, how is this animal actually helping? So you basically find that place in your life where this animal is affecting you the most, and that's the place where the animal will be helping you. And I do bring people through a whole process, too, because I can do it intuitively. I can just ask the animal. (laughs) But everybody else is not necessarily intuitive with animals, so I wrote out a process for doing it not intuitively. But it's actually a really easy process.
1: Well, one of the things that you said earlier is that, you know, you brought your dog to the intuitive. You took the dog from the vet, brought it for the appointment. But the reality is you do not have to be in person. So will, will you in your consultation and coaching business, if someone is having an issue with their animal, can they call you, describe it? Can you intuitively visit with this animal and find out what's going on? Yes. But I always like when I do my private sessions, I don't like for the person to tell
2: me too much. So it's uh-huh. more like they call me and I say, okay, what's the name of your animal? And I like to get it from the animal first. And then the person can say, okay, here's what's going on if the animal doesn't talk about it first. But it's always easier to be intuitive in any way with an animal or just plain intuition when you know less.
1: Uh, yeah you know what that and actually that's really a a better way to go about it isn't it because then there's no question that it's coming from the animal if yeah the person trusts
2: more of what I'm getting and I don't have any preconceived notions it's just easier but yeah that's how
1: I work in my private session so step two is determine the lesson so once you figured out how your animals going to help you then you have to ask that question why so and what, how are you I'm learning about this here? Yes.
2: So those are those those are where you figure out what are your negative beliefs, which would be so, the things like I'm not good enough, I'm not safe supported and protected, I'm not lovable, things like that. This is where you figure those out.
1: Now, the fun part is I like the way you worded this was to find your workarounds. Yes. Everybody does seem to have workarounds, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I
2: agree. <laughs> So a workaround is, let's say that you have a negative belief of not feeling safe, supported, and protected in the world. The workaround is what behavior do you do or what thing do you do in order to feel safe, supported, and protected, in order to avoid feeling not safe, supported, and protected. So those are the workarounds. And these workarounds are things that we often don't notice um, that we're doing we don't notice that they are workarounds we just think they're part of who we are so the animals can help us figure out those workarounds because it takes a little bit to to call them out we've been using them for years
1: right so they really they kind of are second nature to us and we don't really realize that they're that they're a negative uh, they're a negative influence we just think they're part of us
2: yeah, luckily so, we have the animals to help on that one.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> we can we can always use animals help, that's for sure. Yeah. The next step, step 4 is the decision making process. So you say in the first sentence here, you're going to be asked to become your own little fortune teller. Mm-hmm. I like that. <laughs> describe yep. this. Yeah, describe this. I, I, I. At all the grad nights, I've played the fortune teller, and I have no idea how I do it. But I. But the kids are always like, "Wow, how did you know that?" and i don't know <laughs>
2: well i mean it a little differently because um you really don't have to be psychic in any way to do this with the animal so but i like i like saying it that way because it it is kind of what you're ending up doing. And and it's basically now you've gotten to know how you're working with this animal and what you're working on and what emotions are coming up. And you've got you've gotten the whole lay of the land. So as you have the lay of the land, it helps you be able to know when one of these workarounds is about to show up, when one of these emotions is about to show up. And that's really important to making change is really understanding how you react, how you behave in the situation with your animal, and being able to say, Oh, it's about to happen. When you're in when you go, Oh, that I'm about to feel not good enough. I'm about to feel unsafe. As soon as Larry, my dog or duck or whoever it is does X, Y, and Z, which I know he's gonna do in about thirty seconds, I'm gonna feel unsafe. But I don't feel unsafe yet. So it's really finding that space in there and being able to say being able to get to know yourself well enough that you can um, find those moments just before the thing happens.
1: So this is that, as you say, this is learning a new observation scale or putting it to work, actually. Yeah,
2: and the, the whole yeah. thing, I mean, really the book is not, it's not very hard to do. It's just about developing a new awareness of yourself through your animal. Most The beginning part of it is. But it takes commitment to do that because we're used to looking at ourselves in one way. And through the animal, you can learn to look at yourself in a
1: new way. And as you learn to do that, it actually, it creates change. And, you know, if we're not changing, we are stalemating, and that means we're not growing. And so we have to be growing. The fifth step is mastery, and that's probably where the fun really, really begins, because you're now getting rid of those negative beliefs that you have about yourself, right? I would actually and disagree. The, it starts getting really fun when you're finding your workaround. By the oh, time... That's true. I guess
2: that's true, huh? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, because you're like, oh my, I'm doing this? I can't believe this is a workaround. And you can be like cr- crazy surprised with yourself. But by the time you get to mastery, real mastery occurs, not when you're making something happen, but when it is happening. So if I've changed my belief from I'm not good enough to I am good enough, now I'm just living my life as if I am good enough. It's not a thing I have to think about. This is what I believe and this is from where I live my life. So if I'm there, it's then kind of anticlimactic because I'm not thinking about the lesson anymore. I'm not thinking about, the. I'm not working on this anymore. I'm just living it. So it's kind of funny because you think mastery is going to be so amazing, but it's actually very regular because it becomes your life.
1: But you have to get through those uh, workarounds and be surprised by them in order to yeah. get to the master. You got to go through the first four steps. Yeah, yeah, you got to go through the <laughs> steps, and you got to just be really curious about what's going to happen next. I think. Yeah. That's, yep. you know, something else. Well, uh, I wanted to, but before we um, end our interview, I wanted to just talk about something that I thought was so interesting, what you wrote about in your book, Animal Lessons, Discovering Your Spiritual Connection with Animals. I've raised chickens since I was eight years old. Mm. I also have ducks and geese and rabbits and goats and potbelly pig and, you know, <laughs> birds <laughs> and, you know, bunnies, all those things. But you were talking about... Uh, how communicating with the coyote or the fox who's coming in to the hen house. And every once in a while, I call it a massacre. You know, every once in a while, no matter your best intentions and your best lay of the land and your best fences and all of that stuff, there'll be a pack of coyotes that will come through the creek. But they are also coming with a lesson is what is what I'm um, gleaning from your book. I've never looked at them as coming with a lesson other than the fact that, gosh, I have to dig 18 inches down further and pour concrete right. so they can't dig. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, yeah, the, they have the every interaction you have with an animal. There's a lesson there for you. It's crazy, especially when you think, wait, there's a lesson in the coyote coming and killing my chickens. Yes, there's a lesson that coyotes teaching you something and the chickens
1: are teaching you something as well. They're giving you
2: an opportunity. yeah,
1: To uh, board up the the, uh, chicken coop a little bit stronger. (laughs) No. So what I would do is I would encourage you to look at, we'll just stick with
2: the coyote for now, I would encourage you to look at what was your emotional state that night that, that happened? What's been going through your head? What's been happening in your life? How have you been feeling about the chickens? Or, you know, to look around in there. And, and that's really what that um, that first step is about. But I would encourage you to look. And it's weird because you think, no, I need to change something in the physical world. I need to build, build a better Yeah, fence. build a, right. To, you know, but... If you could step back from the 3D for a moment and look at, well, wait, there's something going on within you that is creating this situation for you to learn from, it actually can make the situation easier to understand and easier to deal with as well.
1: It's so fascinating, you know. I, I haven't had any of those situations in a long time, but now I have the tools to find yeah. out what the lesson is, and maybe I didn't need to to spend all that time and energy building that stronger fence. <laughs> <laughs> <It> <laughs> Who knows? It's now nine feet tall instead of uh, seven. <laughs> well, Danielle, you are a delight, and as I said off the air, you can just see your positive energy in your photographs. I want to in Encourage everyone to please go to Danielle's. uh, uh, She has Facebook, and that is Facebook.com forward slash intuitive Danielle or her website, DanielleMcKinnon.com. The book is Animal Lessons Discovering Your Spiritual Connection with Animals. And if you, like me, are such an advocate and animal lover, you will really enjoy this book, and you will get so much out of it, so that you can become your animal therapist, and you know, and and also the animals will be your therapist and your mentor. So, one last thing, Danielle, before we go, I want to remind our listeners that uh, Danielle is also going to be on our teen show express yourself next tuesday at noon pacific and that is on june 27th so you have two opportunities to listen to the wisdom of danielle and really indulge your animal spirits so danielle is there anything you would like a a kind of a final word you'd like to leave with us um that If you're interested
2: in this, the best way to start is to start watching the relationship you have with this animal, whether it's a pet or a wild animal or a farm animal or an animal on social media, just start noticing your feelings and your thoughts around this animal, what's going on, what the animal does that inspires certain emotions, because that's the first step is really developing an awareness of that relationship. And if we have that awareness and you can consider that animal to be your teacher, you have a great chance at being successful at learning what the animal wants you to learn.
1: Be empathetic and listen. Thank you so much, Danielle, for coming on Star Style. Be the star you are. You are an animal star. I love it, and um, <laughs> I send all my positive thoughts and vibes to your animals wherever they are in the world. Because this is a wonderful thing that you're doing. Thank so you. Thanks, thanks so much for coming on the show again, everyone. Go to Danielle McKinnon. and the book is Animal Lessons. Pick up a copy. I'm Cynthia Bryan. You're listening to Star Style. Be the star you are. We're coming to you live on the Voice American Network, the Empowerment Channel, and I'll be right back. Don't go away. We're going to learn the best time to exercise. Be
0: the star you are. The star you are. Be the star
2: you are. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
0: Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan.
1: When things go wrong, as they often will, the best solution to remedying the situation is by telling the truth. If you have an argument with a client or management, a bad Yelp or a bad Google review, they're just a click away, you know. So here are some guidelines for dealing with the truth. State the facts as you know them and give the full picture. Be non-judgmental and open-minded. Strive to understand the other person's point of view and show some empathy. Don't bottle up emotions. Being angry, frustrated, confused, or scared, they're okay, and they can lead to a resolution. All Allow everyone to express themselves. Be positive and frame your comments in a positive fashion. Objections are to be expected, so preface your message with this may not be what you want to hear or this may be hard to accept. Relationships are based on trust. Truth and trust are a married pair. Remember, you're the star of your own production. Turn your passions into profit. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another Business Bite from Star Style. For more information, visit CynthiaBryan.com or call the studio, 925-377-STAR. That's 925-377-7827.
0: Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. It's Power Time on Star Style, Be the Star You Are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryant. Now, back to the power party. This business of show. Well, thanks for staying
1: with me on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Wasn't that a great segment? We love talking about animals and learning about animals animal intuition and how they can be our teachers is fascinating. Well, the second most important topic that Americans love to talk about is exercise. So when do you exercise? Why do you exercise? Why does it matter? Is it good in the a.m.? Better in the p.m.? Should you work out uh, every day? So here are some answers to these age-old questions that might help you gain some greater benefits from exercise. So if you really want great sleep, it's better to exercise in the morning. Researchers at Appalachian State University studied the effects of exercise timing and sleep patterns. Now, lack of sleep contributes to chronic diseases such as obesity, cardiovascular disease, and diabetes. We've talked about this often on Health Matters with Heather, Heather Brittany. It increases the stress hormone, cortisol, that also elevates your blood sugar, That's called all by lack of sleep. Both blood sugar and cortisol contribute to damage to the lining of your blood vessels. So this chronic assault results in plaque buildup, stiffening of your arteries, and other vital organs. So the subjects in this study exercised from 7 a.m., 1 p.m., and 7 p.m. for 30 minutes on a treadmill. At night, they wore sleep monitoring devices that measured their sleep stage. And compared to the midday and the evening exercises, The best was the 7 a.m. It showed a significant improvement in the quality of of sleep, 85% more time spent in light sleep, 75% in deep sleep, and 20% increase in a sleep cycle. So just remember, if you want to sleep, exercise in the morning. Now, according to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, more than a third of American adults get insufficient amount of sleep on a regular basis. So very, very important. And what it can cause is death associated with sleep deprivation, heart disease, strokes, cancer, breast cancer, and uh, death from stroke were highest in men and women. So you really do want to to know about that. Also, you need to know your fitness personality. If morning workouts are better for you, then do them. But if you're not a rise and shine with a sunrise, then maybe work out after lunch. It's just better to exercise at any time. If you want to stress less and you can squeeze time in maybe, you know, at lunch or after work, that's okay too. Just remember that exercise is stimulating, And it helps you get energized. When you're done, you want to treat yourself to something healthy so that you can stay that way. So thank you so much for being great listeners and allowing me into your life every week. Just make sure you always stay tuned to Star Style, Be The Star You Are on Wednesdays from 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific. And we are always live right here on the Voice America Network on the Empowerment Channel for information about Star Style Productions, visit CynthiaBryan.com. To make a donation to Be The Star You Are charity that brings you this show, visit BeTheStarYouAre.org. My aim is always to encourage, inspire, inform, amuse, and motivate Cherish the past, dream of the future, and celebrate every moment of your life. And because I always encourage you to read a book this week, make that book Animal Lessons. I think that you will really enjoy it. And so until we celebrate next week, remember love always wins, kindness prevails, and smiles keep us happy. I'm Cynthia Bryan for Star Style, thanking you and encouraging you. Be the star star. You are.
0: Be the star you are. The star you are.